Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club with your hosts, Caitlin and Kirsty. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick arse business strategies. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Kirsty of Bits of Bernard Photography. And I'm Caitlin of Ragamuffin Pet Photography. And welcome to the Pet Photographers Podcast. Our guest today is one half of the team behind Kimberly Sarah Photography. With over a decade of experience in photography education, Bud Thorpe teaches pet photographers how to master studio lighting, showing the same techniques that he's used alongside his fiance Kimberly to grow their pet portrait studio into a luxury boutique success. Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club, Bud. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. We're happy to have you. Um, do you want to maybe give a little bit more of an insight for our listeners um, into maybe your story, how you sort of ended up where you are today? And um, yeah, and then we can roll from that. Absolutely. Well, I'm a photographer. I work in the great state of New Hampshire. That's in the United States in the Northeast. Well known for our politics and occasional snowstorms. Pretty much the opposite, I think, of the weather you all have there in uh, the southern portion of Australia. But (laughs) I started actually as a photographer over 30 years ago, and it was a second job for me. I as a paramedic, actually working on ambulances, had, you know, most folks in public safety seem to have a second job, and mine was being a photographer. Um, when people were calling me for really the worst moments of their lives on one hand, and my second job, they were calling me for the best moments of their lives. And it's how I started as a photographer, actually. And then mm. uh, over the years, I transitioned into more studio work rather than location work, simply because, well, I think I mentioned it before, the snow, that tends to <laughs> hamper our year-round outdoor um, photography abilities pretty much. So I have become a studio photographer. I'm a former college professor as well, so I'm um, well-trained as an educator. But for about the last 10, 12 years now, I've run a large photography studio and co-op, if you will, in New Hampshire. We have a huge studio that we rent out to our uh, studio members, but it's really our home base for our photography. And as you mentioned, I am... Um, partners with my fiance, Kimberly, who many of the folks in the dog world will know us as Kimberly Sarah Photography. And we uh, provide a high-end luxury boutique client experience to our um, mostly dogs, although we do not rule out chickens, cats, and pretty much every other barnyard animal. Um, And of course, we teach quite a lot of studio lighting. So for about the last 12 years, we've been teaching studio lighting in our our studio, and we do that uh, monthly. So we've taught thousands of people studio lighting. And that's how I spend a good amount of my time now is teaching folks how to light. Do the students that you're teaching for um, studio lighting, are they going on to be generally professional photographers in the pet specialty or um, you're teaching anybody um, that wants to photograph anything? Well, the studio lighting classes that I teach are more general. In mm-hmm. general, these are folks that either are starting on their path as professional photographers by whatever loose definition, but certainly many are uh, 
many are specialists in their own world. And that could be food. It could be people. It could be babies. It could be maternity. It could be fashion. Lord knows we've, we've worked and taught with them all because the principles of lighting remain the same for everyone. The vast mm-hmm. minority of folks that we see in person for our in-person classes are, are pet photographers. That's the vast minority. But I think that represents most of our industry, right? Most, we are in a yeah. very much a niche industry if ever there was one. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, so I guess we wanted to have a chat with you about um, how you see the importance of the technical sk- uh, technical skills of photography um, in relationship to running a successful photography business, definitely in relation to pet photography in, in particular. Oh, absolutely. I think it's true that when you've seen one photography business or business model, you've seen one, right? There, there's a range of business opportunities out there for everyone. Many are successful, some are not. But I think we could generalize and say that there are some characteristics of successful businesses, um, especially those that are run by artists, where we have a good measure of the the business acumen and a good measure of the technical acumen. And the part that I circle around to and the part that I specialize in, of course, is teaching people the technical. And I think that for many folks, when I say technical, uh, they see math equations you know, floating in front of their head when in fact, that's not really what we're talking about. What I am talking about is the ability to create a high quality image anytime you really want to create that image. But but it goes more than that. It goes in the ability to take something you have in your brain, an inspiration, a thought, a whimsy, any idea, and being able to create that at will. So that mm-hmm. the technical things that the that some might see as obstacles or hurdles are not a factor. They're, they're just things we have to get over and I know how to work through them. And Ultimately, what I look for to work with the folks, you know, the the photographers that I work with is to take and push uh, a technical competence so that it can lead to excellence later on. That's Mm -hmm. that's what we're going for. And that breeds a confidence in the studio because I think we can all agree as as dog and pet photographers that there's enough variable uh, in our session. There are enough variations in our session with the animal alone without the photographer having to worry about things such as, is my exposure correct? Is my lighting working? And all the other myriad of things that they have to run into. The more they're, they have those figured out, the better off they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And in your experience with the students that you're teaching, Bud, what are some of the more typical hurdles that pet photographers come up against technically that might be something that they can start working on? Well, I tell you, a million years ago, I was a wedding photographer. And probably the best way I can explain one of the biggest challenges a wedding photographer has is that we often take someone dressed in a white dress and put them in a black tuxedo right next to them. And (laughs) it's interesting that my experience in doing that uh, of many, many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of weddings, uh, I I often joke that I'm a victim of that many weddings, but I'm obviously joking. (laughs) But it's interesting that that same challenge that having a light, 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 important object next to a dark, 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 important object comes up again in, for example, dog photography. Because I think it's every other session we have a dog that is black and white at the same time. And Mm -hmm. so I think one of the biggest challenges that folks encounter 
when they're trying to work through their lighting challenges and even compositionally is how do you work with high contrast dogs? And then further dogs that have glossy fur that borders on fluorescence as they go along. Mm -hmm. And do you have a tip that you want to share? Oh, good gravy. Yeah. So ultimately, ultimately it's always about the highlights on the white. Um, the eye will forgive the darker shadows, but it will not mm -hmm. forgive an overexposed highlight. So understanding exactly how your camera is recording that image and understanding exactly how a histogram works and how it's showing you, it's giving you the data that you need, it's being able to interpret that. Ultimately, as a photographer that outdoors, I'm always using studio lighting. Lord knows that's become quite a bit easier with battery-powered strobes now. Um, I'm always looking at that highlight and I'm always metering for that highlight and I let the shadows fall where they may. And, and some folks may not like that the, the dark fur will come out a little bit muddier, but preserving the highlight is probably the most important thing in dog photography. Um, and, and again, I make this sound at times complicated when in truth it isn't. I think that mm -hmm. for most things that we do in photography, it is no more complicated than, for example, making toast in the morning. There's a procedure that we follow for making toast when we're making our breakfast. Or further, there's a procedure that we follow when driving a car, when you're commuting into, um, you know, commuting to visit your, your mom in a distant city or something. And as you're doing that, you're operating a vehicle with a myriad of controls and a myriad of different ways and reacting to a whole bunch of situations. And why is it that your brain can process that and do that so well? And it's based upon some education. It's based on experience. And when you put it all together, you get a pleasing result, which is that you don't crash. And that's ultimately what we're looking to do with studio photographers as well. And I think that one of the reasons why it is so crucial for pet photographers specifically to have a good technical knowledge and a good technical background is that we have so many clients come to us. Well, I don't know about you guys. I have so many clients come to me with, for example, they have a black dog and they're thinking it's just impossible to photograph this black dog. The number of times I hear that from my clients, like, is my dog going to be possible for you to photograph? Now, of course they are. We would, it would be crazy for us to be pet photographers and not to be able to photograph black animals. But the thing is that we have to remember, the average Joe with their iPhone camera is really struggling to photograph their pets. Maybe their pet moves too quickly or they have fur that is, for someone who doesn't have experience in the technical side of photography, difficult to photograph. So the sort of, I guess what I'm saying is the, the technical knowledge that maybe we take for granted once we've been doing this for a while is actually something that is really, really valuable for our clients. And yeah, I, I completely understand. I can completely um, agree with what you're saying that that would be a huge hurdle for photographers when they're first starting out and first starting to learn about lighting too. So when you're talking to, or is it you, bud, or is it usually more Kimberly who's chatting with the clients? We do everything together. So when we're meeting with clients, it's yeah. together. When we're in the studio, it's together. It's together. And, and for those at home, you may not know, Kimberly is here with I'm me. I'm here. Hello. Um, we decided to split our interview into two. So Kim will be talking, I think, in a future time about the uh, customer service experience. But we work together. We are partners in truly every sense. So when you have your clients, what I'm wondering is do you guys chat about um, that side of it, sort of put their mind to ease there when it comes to like lighting their black dogs or their black and white dogs? Is that a conversation that comes up? 
This comes up, uh, Caitlin, is more, I could not agree more. It comes up, I don't know, probably three times a week. It comes up in direct conversation where the client will say exactly what you're saying. I don't know how you're going to get this shot. My dog's fur is very dark or black. And it's a very specific reason. So when we bring them into our client meeting space, because we have a 6,000 square foot studio. Hold on. You're in Australia. I have to convert that. <laughs> 550 square meters. 550 square meter studio. So that's a large studio. Half of that is our client meeting space. So it's sizable, right? So 250 square meters or more. Um, When we're bringing them in, they have to walk past four sample images that Mm -hmm. show black dog on a black background. And black cats right. cat as well. We, we, we put cat images up as well. And, we're, and that's no accident. Every step, mm-hmm. every touchstone along the way is there for a reason. We want to show them our technical competence directly or indirectly. Even if we don't stop and point it out to them, they will see it and they will notice, oh, like that black German shepherd image that you have in the hallway. That's not there accidentally. It's there to show our clients that we can definitely meet and exceed candidly their expectations. But our business model is such that we spend a lot of time with each one of our customers. So we spend on average over 20 hours with every customer. Whoa. Could you break that down for us um, just quickly? But I know we're going to talk with Kimberly about your actual client relationships a bit more. But yeah, I mean, just a quick breakdown because I think the listener will be furious if we don't dive into it now. (laughs) Well, yeah, I don't want to cause a revolt, but it comes down to this. We're meeting with our clients we're meeting with our clients four times. We're meeting them for a design consultation. We're meeting them again for the studio session itself. Then we're meeting them um, for their ordering session. And then finally for delivery, either we go and install the art in their home directly, which we do quite often for the larger pieces, or of course they're coming back for a pickup. And every one of those is an experience that is very carefully crafted. And when I say 20 hours, um, we count our hours separately. So when I say 20 hours, it's 10 hours of both Bud and Kim. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that's important because it's important for business for business side to understand how much time and effort we're putting into something. So we have to face oh, those, awesome. like most of our numbers, we have to fo- face it directly so that we're being accountable to our business model. And our business model says high customer service. But I really don't want to rob too much of Kim's material because she will love to tell you all about the specifics there. So Listeners, make sure you tune in when Kim comes back. (laughs) (laughs) So, Bud, um, in that 20 hours, are you including uploading and anything that's not client-facing? Every single moment from beginning to end is accounted in the average of 20 hours. Mm -hmm. We've had 35-hour clients. um, Sometimes because it's more installation time, we have to drive an hour away into the big city near us, which is Boston. Um, and some clients are far less because they're repeat clients or, but that is editing, you know, but that include. but to get to your question, yes, it is editing. It's the communication, okay. uh, all those touch points, all of that adds up. It certainly does. And in ordering, unpacking orders, as you know, that can be very time consuming. That's counted in there as well. <laughs> so what does your studio look like um, at the moment? Is it the two of you? Is there any other staff? It's just us for Kimberly Sarah photography, mm-hmm. and that's enough. We've, we've built around that. I think there, we are not a volume business model at all, uh, which is to say a busy week for us is three clients. Okay. Um, uh, again, not 
everyone's cup of tea. And I think understanding that business model can certainly be different for some folks if they're not used to a low volume business model uh, with about a 5,000 average per client, 5,000 US dollars. Now, I really want to start diving into what that low volume business model looks like. And then we're going to leave the whole client experience for um, our interview with your other half, Kimberly. So that's season five, episode seven, if you guys are dying to hear about that. Um, but yeah, we're going to pause here, wrap up the end of our interview with you, bud. Thank you so much. Um, anyone who is interested in diving deeper into what this low volume business model looks like for Bud and Kimberly, we're going to continue the conversation for our deeper dive um, in the members group. So if you're not a member yet, you can join us at the petphotographersclub.com forward slash join. And we have a link to all the bonus content there. So yes, um, if you're leaving us for now, thank you so much, Bud, for this fascinating interview. I, um, yeah, I can't wait to learn even more about what you and Kim are doing. And I'm excited for Kim's interview in a couple of weeks time. And if you are continuing and listening on, then we'll see you in a second. Okay, bye guys. Thanks for listening to the Pet Photographers Club. To subscribe to the podcast, check out other episodes, and keep up to date, head to thepetphotographersclub.com.